Well, welcome everyone. Darren Saul here, your host of Playing With Perspective, the suspended animation podcast. It's episode 158 and I have the man, Kyle Sparides here in the house. How are you doing, Kyle? I'm good, Dazza. How are you doing, mate? Very well. And I was just actually commenting and you've just plugged in your new mic and the sound is so crisp. I'm very impressed. I'm jealous. Oh, mate, silky, silky smooth. Here we go. <laughs> Caress the ears. <laughs> well done. Well done. Now, everybody out there, today we're going to have a great show because Kyle is a sensational chap and he's got a great story to tell. And we're going to be talking about how to decide your destiny. So the values imprinted in the DNA of Carl Sparides are of consistent self-improvement, commitment to always do your best, kindness, social responsibility, truth, and to see the heart and soul in every being. These principles have been passed down to him by angels. His grandparents, who he had no relation to, raised him as if he was their only son. With a combined 180 years of life experience, they have cemented the structures of good values into how Kyle approaches his business, his life, and his eternal growth. Kyle is an essence-capturing and soul-captivating portrait photographer who works with his clients to make sure that all their imagery truly represents their business and their most authentic selves. So Kyle, welcome once again, my man. Wow, what an intro, mate. Did you whip that up? <laughs> someone, someone must have written that for me. That's <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good to me. <laughs> uh, well done. So, man, what a story. I mean, let's, uh, let's launch in. I mean, I'd love to hear about, you know, that your story and how your grandparents had such an important, um, part, took such an important part in your life and how this all came about. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, originally I'm from South Africa, Johannesburg, and I was, you know, I spent a few years in, in South Africa and I moved over to Australia when I was two. And at the time in South Africa, I was um, being raised by my South African granny. And she actually had a pub and she was working around the clock in the pub. So I spent my first few years in the pub, um, literally kind of grabbing them up, you know, at 3 a.m. and different sort of things and, and, and playing pool with all these, you know, these, these patrons. Um, and so I guess that gave me a lot of opportunity to be social and kind of get out of my, you know, yeah. I guess, shell a bit. Um, yeah. But it was just a lot safer to have me at the pub than have me at home. And that was the, the main reasoning behind it. Nice. You know, and it got, got, got to the point where I, this one patron that would come every Saturday came up to me and, you know, she had to kind of try, try and pull me in line because what I would do is I would scream out to my, my granny and I'd just go, granny, ice cream. And just because <laughs> I was so, I was so well spoiled uh, by my granny that I, you know, I, I, I could get away with that sort of stuff. And the patron came up to me and says, oh, you, you can't talk to your granny like that, Kyle. She's back there slaving away. And apparently, as the story goes, I turned to her and I said, if I call my granny, she will come. So <laughs> I was only a few years old and I had that sort of, um, sort of, I guess, confidence. And then yeah. came to Australia and, you know, uh, my mum came over here and my, my stepdad brought me over and I walked up the stairs to my Australian grandparents' house, so my, my stepdad's parents. So walked up the stairs and... My Australian grandmother, uh, Dinah, she saw me and she said she could see my eyes and this like look in my face, like this fear and this kind of terror, kind of like, who are these people? This isn't my South African family. Um, 
And she said she had this overwhelming feeling from God that she was going to be important in my life, that she was going to be really important and rushed right through her body. And she, I call it to this day and she still brings up that story like clockwork. So, so it, it's definitely something that was imprinted on her. And years later, she was very important. Her and, and Clive and my grandfather were very important in my life. Wow. So these, these are your Australian grandparents. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. And, and that's, yeah. a, is that a picture of uh, Clive behind you? Yeah. Correct. Yes. Gotcha. I'll try and point the right way. Yes. There we go. Yeah, <laughs> My brain. There we go. That side. That's yes. a great photo that you took as well, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, yeah, it was, um, just came back from shooting the sunset. Um, and he came up to me and he was, Oh, you know, what are you doing? Kyle? And I turned and he had the beret on and, you know, he's an architect and he's designed his own house yeah. and the light, that was hitting him side light. One was hitting from the back and one was hitting on the side of his face. And I just went, hold it. I need to take some photos. So my grandparents were the, the most over-photographed grandparents in uh, in all of Cronulla. So there you go. <laughs> and so just to take a little side note, when did you um, start, you know, photographing? Did you start at a young age? Probably, yeah. I mean, I, I started in um, visual arts at, at school. So, you know, we had to pick up a medium um, and I was like, God, I can't draw for, I can't, I don't know if I can swear here, but I can't draw for crap, you know, and I can't, you know, I can't paint unless I throw a few paints against the canvas. And I went, wow, this is going to be, this is going to end up pretty awful for my, for my marks. And then, so I went, all right, you know, maybe I'll try photography. And I, I took it because I thought, oh yeah, this would be the, the easy option. Yeah. Um, no art is easy. Like, you know, especially with, when you've got um, art teachers who are really trying to get you to bring out connection and a story and meaning and, and yeah. aspects and then emotion. And, you know, you're like this kid just going, <laughs> just trying to get yeah, through this course. I, yeah, this class. I just want to use my 30 exposures <laughs> or 12 exposures of film. That's it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So yeah. I, I got in at school and um, I guess that's where probably the creative vision started to happen. Mm -hmm. And I had this idea, this, this, my uncle took a photograph of me, black and white photograph. And it's um, when I first came to Australia and I kind of just have this like, look at the camera, like kind of like that lost look. Yeah. And it's pretty good, pretty good portraits. And I decided, all right, I'm going to take that with me and I'm going to photograph people holding that portrait up. I'm going to call it the lost boy series. <laughs> so that's how, how strange I was thinking at the age of 18, but you know, that's, <laughs> that's, that's what I came up with. And so, you know, those last few years of those last well, year and a half of school, I was traveling to, I traveled back to South Africa. Then I traveled to Mozambique. So I've got this, right. this chef in Mozambique holding it up. Oh you know, I've got God. like all these different people, all these different cultures. So um, yeah, that was, that was how I got into it. Wowie, wowie. Unbelievable. And so now I know that, you know, everything you do in your work and even your philosophy towards life is all about doing things according to your destiny and to your soul. So tell us more about where this all came from. Yeah, for sure. So this dest the word destiny or uh, more the decide your destiny and what, why I do like a decide your destiny daily vlog um, and like writing a book called Decide Your Destiny uh, is because of my grandfather and obviously my grandparents had a big you know imprint in my life they really were my parents they they raised me so that, that had, they had a lot of importance on me and when i was about 18 i was sitting on the couch and 
my grandfather looked over at me and the sun was kissing the side of his face and he had this kind of boyish charm or this you know joy in, in his face and he just said this line to me he just said decide your destiny and you know i was 18 at the time so i said what he said decide your destiny and I'm like, what are you saying clive and because you know it was just quiet was sitting in the lounge room and he said make sure in your life that whatever you do you decide your destiny and you know when you don't hear something at the time but later on it's kind of like that ringing in your ears yeah. and so then it, it's it, it kind of popped up for me later on in my life and, I, and when i had to make serious decisions um you know with with my heart health and take and the directions that i had to take and and you know decisions i had to make and, and where i was going to go and every decision is about the longevity and and things are so sensitive with your heart so it's um you know, it can get very overwhelming and, and there's so, so many uh, intricate details about it that you find out new things and new possible com complications and concerns every time mm. you go in. And so, yeah, it can get weighty. It can get overwhelming. It can get like you're fighting an uphill battle and you're just, uh, you, you know, you're just trying to, <laughs> trying to breathe, you're just trying yeah. to breathe. So, so I think that decide your destiny allow me to take more power and control over my life um, where I felt for most of my life that my life was being dictated for me. Yep. Yep. And you, I mean, you, you, like you do seem to me like now that you really are, you know, you haven't, you have balance. Yeah. Um, yes. You know, you really seem that you have balance and you're, you know, you're calm and you're in control and you don't let, you don't seem like the world and the, the pressures of the world are kind of, throwing you from one direction to another, which I, I admire. That's, it's amazing. Is that Thanks, part mate. of your, is that, is that something that's just happened over the years and something that you've worked on? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, 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 and it's definitely not, um, every day I, I, you know, I wake sure. up like a Buddhist monk. It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> sure. it's, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's stuff you have to put in daily, but, um, yeah, definitely the, I think life experience really shapes you and, yep. I think how it works is that you're given life experience and then it's gone. Okay, here you go. Now you decide what way you take it. You decide what you do with it. These, this is the raw materials of your life that you have to contend with. Yep. Now, what are you going to do? So, yep. you know, I'd love to say that I just grabbed the opportunity and ran for it, but obviously, you know, there's many ups and downs and, and some dark moments um, that you got to kind of come through and work through. Yeah, sure, sure. Can you tell us a bit more about that journey and how you you say he, you healed your own heart? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going to the details, definitely. So, yeah, so about not long after my grandfather actually said that to me, um, about two months after I left school, I was coming home from the gym. I was very big into the gym at that time and I had my eyes set on playing rugby. You know, like that was my my life pretty much sorted. I had worked that, that much out for myself and... So I'd play rugby on Saturday and Sunday and I would you know, be at the gym all the time and crunching through protein any chance I got. So <laughs> it was a pretty, pretty one-dimensional life. So I, I um, came home from the gym one night and I uh, had a good session and sat on the couch, turned the, turned the tunes on and th there was uh, Independence Day. I went, oh, wow, okay, this is going to be a good, good night in. Let's, let's, let's watch some Aliens and Fighter Jets. And all of a sudden I got really, really hot. So I just stripped off all my clothes, stripped off you know, everything. I sat there stark naked on the couch. Wow. And then the split second later, I got um, really, really cold and I had to chuck doona and everything, doonas and you know, blankets, everything on me. And that was the first kind of, you know, something strange is going on here. Next night I went to get some 
ice from the freezer, some, some water and I collapsed on the tiles and I just yeah. laid there for 20 minutes. And so I kept getting more and more sick and I got taken to a doctor. Doctor said, look, I think you've got gastro, take these tablets, you should be fine. Went home, took the tablets, threw up and I went, all right, something's seriously wrong here. Um, you know, like I need to be taken to the hospital. Yeah, and then and then I then I got taken to my my um, down to Cronulla because I wasn't at Cronulla at the time. And then my grandmother took me to my uncle. Um, there were quite a few pit stops on the way to the hospital, and he looked at me coming down the hallway, and he just went, you know. And he, he he's a chiropractor, but he had a lot of knowledge in virology and different sort of modalities and different sort of things. And he just right. saw in my demeanor, he goes, you know, this this kid's got a virus. Like, take him to the hospital straight away. Yeah. Um, Take him to a doctor. If the doctor doesn't take him to the hospital, then you guys take him there. So I went to my local doctor in Canala. Lovely man, you know, been, been going to him for years. And he, he gave me this book at one point called titled Hope. And in that book, there were lovely landscapes and, and um, quotes, you know, of hope. So saw him and he uh, said, you know, Kyle, 10 years earlier when I was in hospital, I was studying um, like a lot of stuff, you know, from hospital. And I noticed this thing and you've got the same thing. And so I went, you know, what is it? He said, the dots on the ends of your fingers, he said, means that you've got a bug eating your heart. Oh, God. So I was, I was so out of it at the time. I was so sick. And, and you know, when you're really sick, it's kind of like a big vignette. You know, you're not really there. So you're like, oh, okay, okay. You know, continue on. They chuck me in an ambulance. They rush me to the hospital. I'm at the hospital now. And I say, you know, I, I, to my family, I said, I can't excrete. I've been trying to excrete. I can't excrete. Wow. And they, um, the nurse comes over and says, what the hell are you doing? You're supposed to be through to um, ICU. You know, you weren't supposed to be left down here. The reason you can't excrete is your organs are literally shutting down. <sighs> so I got rushed through to, um, to, to this other room. And then uh, the cardiologist said, all right, we're going to put this pipe down your throat and you're going to go to sleep now. And again, I was so sick. So I was like, oh, okay, yeah, sounds dandy. And they, they, they knocked me out, put me into an induced coma. And um, this is where the story takes a turn. Uh, and the cardiologist said to my, my mother, my grandmother, and funnily enough, my South African grandmother was over at the time and just yeah. said to, uh, <laughs> I guess, the three, the three wise, wise women, said to the, to the three women, said, um, you know, Carl's uh, got this three centimeter bug eating eating it at his heart and um wow. most likely he's not gonna make it through the night um either way and you know but but i suggest we try and operate and see, see what we can we can we can do um but he said either way I, I, I don't really think he's gonna make it through so i really thank my mother for this decision she called my uh, stepfather who at the time was living in ireland right told him everything and he and he was a chiropractor as well but he had a lot of understanding in natural health care and different sort of modalities and he'd help people out in the past here and there so um she called him and told him everything and i believe that he you know he's got like some people have got, got a gift you know i think he's got some sort of gift where he can kind of you know get into some sort of communication or just feel, feel something you know and said and he said, look, you're there. You make the decision. You, you've got all the information there. You're on, on site there. But my opinion would be don't let them operate. He's too weak. Let them just put him in a induced coma um, and let him wake up, you know, 
and let him wake up naturally. So that's what they did. They put me in juice coma. I woke up about a week later, um, pipes in my, my body everywhere, didn't, you know, all this sort of stuff. I had wheat picks straight away and vomited the wheat picks back on my, oh, my hospital okay. gown. And, oh. and it was just like, just a mess. And so um, my stepfather had flown over from Ireland and, and came up, to, uh, had been flown over and came up and saw me and said, you know, Kyle, this is the situation, this is the information. And he basically said to me, um, yeah, like we need to do something about it because any moment, you know, you could be kaput. Um, you got a three centimeter bug eating the hole into your mitral valve. They don't know how it got there. They did a bunch of tests. They, could, they couldn't find out. Um, and they basically said it was just a one in a billion chance that this happened to you. So, um, yeah, this is what you got to deal with right now. <laughs> so, um he said, look, this is the, the this is all the medical paperwork, you know, read read through it with him. This is everything that's gonna happen. They're gonna what they're gonna have to do is actually cut a big chunk of your heart off and put a metal attachment on. And this is how your life's gonna be compromised. Uh, I was 18 at the time and I said, This is how this is how it's gonna go. Um, and he said, There is another option. And I, I want you to be totally informed of both sides, and then you make the decision. And so I said, Okay, tell me about this. And he said, there's this thing called the alkaline diet the, and it's basically a juice fast. Mm. And the base premise of it is that through fast, through the juice fast, you starve the, uh, the body of any sugars, um, any carbohydrates, anything that, the, that will sustain the bug. Yep. So you change the inner ecosystem of the body. Gotcha. And for me, I was like, well, you know, all I know is, you know, six eggs make big biceps. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly lots of steak and all that sort of stuff i'm yeah. not sure not too sure about this jazz you know so i was like all right you know and, and he was telling me about it i went look you know i trust you as a man you've always done right by me um let's give this a whirl let's give it a go so which is a pretty you know risky thing and um you know full disclosure i'm not telling anyone what to do with their life um and you know I, most people probably wouldn't have made that decision but I, I i just felt that i really strongly trusted the man and i said yeah, let's try this alkaline diet. Let's see if we can get rid of it uh, naturally first, wow. which is what which is so foreign to our societies. But when you go to places like Peru, it's like the port of call. Obviously, not if you've chopped your arm off or there's something you know serious. But yeah. but usually it's natural first, and then we'll see. Because the problem with medical is um, there's no really real going back in a lot of ways. So. With things like, not in everything, but with this situation, it was literally cutting part of my heart off. So it's a pretty serious decision to, to just go, yep, let's, let's go ahead with that. So I thought, all right, let me give the natural way a go, see if this works. I believed in him. I wasn't totally sure if it would work. But then we, you know, we started on um, beetroot juices and salads. And all I had was juice and salad and vitamins and um, all sorts of stuff. Like, and and I, and. I was starting to do visualizations, so I was going over. I was learning about the heart, learning all about the heart, where the valve was, where everything was. And I was, you know, I was I was doing it in the in the shower, obviously, because I, I was a bit <laughs> bit nervous about you know what people might think at the time. Sure. And I was doing that, and I was just going heal, heal. Um, I was listening to meditations. Um, my, my my grandmother gave me a lot of meditation, old tapes. So there was a lot of peaks and valleys. That's what I remember. Um, and yeah, and I think I had my 19th birthday in hospital, so I was allowed a slender slice of watermelon uh, as my cake. So, oh my God. so it was it was serious, and it was, and I went from 95 kilos of 
pure like muscle like i was really built for rugby yeah and i went down in the space of you know two weeks went down to like 77 kilos and could see my ribs and first time i ever had a six pack so i was like well <laughs> it's pretty cool like you know where'd you come from yeah where'd you come from hello <laughs> so, so wow. um yeah so so and then and during the during the process i um you know the cardiologist came through and said all right we're gonna operate we're gonna operate and we said well hold the bus hold the bus you know um what does the size of the bug need to get down to till it's not a non-issue and he said um you know he wouldn't tell us and it was like pulling teeth we're like just, just tell us please 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 and you know ward was there asking the right questions eventually we uh, he said look if it gets down to 0.5 centimeters then it's a non-issue but it's at three centimeters at the moment there's no way it's going to get down and so we went okay great that's the focus and then he, he walked down in huff and puff and then um and I, I realized a few different things you know like nurses were threatening to throw my vitamins in the bin they were saying why am i not listening to prof who do i think i am taking my health into my own hands and for me i you know i grew up just thinking you know Every doctor's good. Every fireman's good. Every policeman's good. You know, like like very, um, I guess, not aware of how the world works in all its specific ways and yeah. and different reasonings. Obviously, from their side, they knew how they could help me, and maybe they were feeling um, offended or something. So, yeah. so yeah. So it was quite 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 a shocking time in, in all aspects. And a, and a lot and, to take on, you know, for one person to make this a young at a young age to make a decision like that. You know, it's yes. a tough decision to make. Yeah, yeah, but and you know, with with more than half your family saying, "What are you doing?" Um, with everyone in the hospital saying, "What are you doing?" Um, your friends, uh, yeah, it's 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 pretty pretty wild. Yeah. And obviously, yeah. you just listen to what was inside of you. You know, your inner voice told you this is the direction, and that's what you're yeah. going to do. Exactly, exactly. Otherwise, you're you're you you live out a fake human being. You're not really living out who you are and your true essence. And and I think that's what I. And and long story short, I I actually at the three week mark, he came in. He said, "Are we going to operate?" And we said, "Whoa, whoa, hold the bus again. What's the size of the bug?" And he said, and he wouldn't give it to us. And we pulled teeth, pulled teeth. Eventually, he said, "Look, it's at zero point two centimeters." And we looked over the paperwork and we went, "Oh my god, we got rid of this. Like we healed it." And then so he you know, kind of got upset left i eventually left that hospital and the relationship was that that far deteriorated that i had this register that would always come up to me and you know we had a great relationship so he worked under the cardiologist and I, as i was leaving being pushed out in the wheelchair i felt this hand on my shoulder and i turned over my shoulder and he said the register was there and i said oh i'm going i'll see you later he said oh look i'm just here to deliver a message prof wants you to know that uh your lungs are going to be full of blood you're going to choke to death within two months of living in hospital, you're going to die in your sleep. Oh and I just started crying and I just, the person pushing me in the wheelchair, I just said, just, just keep going. Like, oh, get me out of here. So it was very hostile. I eventually went to a new cardiologist, um, started working with that one. And that, and, and basically what happened is the bug had eaten part of the valve. So the valve wasn't closing properly. Right. So over a longer period of time, that's, that's not good. You know, the, the blood, the blood's leaking out of your heart. Mm-hmm. So, I had to work out how I was going to repair the valve because obviously I didn't want to replace it. And in the hospital, there was 0% chance. Straight away when I went to this new cardiologist, there was suddenly a 30% chance. And then I kept trying to you know, work on my health. And every few months I would go back. He said, oh, look, the size of your heart. You know, Now there's a 50% chance. And eventually he said there's a 70% chance. Right. And so I went, all right. Called Ward, said, what do you do? He said, what do you want to do? I said, I think it's time to go in for the op. And then I went in and I had um, open heart surgery. They basically cut your chest, crack you open, 
you're pretty much dead for about five hours. They turn you know, turn your heart off pretty much, and then they cut into your heart, and then they, uh, yeah, they, they they repaired my heart valve. Um, so I woke up screaming, and I was screaming. I was, and I just went, and I was screaming, repair or replacement, repair or replacement. That's how I like focused on this wow. goal that I was. And I was just waking up screaming, and someone grabbed my hand, and they said, "Oh, it's a repair, Carl. It's a repair." And I just I wouldn't say the words I said, but I was just losing my head. I was swearing and in the middle of ICU and had three pipes just underneath my ribs, had this like basically what to, to bring your chest together, they put wires into your bone and just had all this sort of stuff everywhere. And oh my God. yeah, and that was the uh, the journey. That was me at um, 20. At so 20 yeah. years old. My yeah. God. Yeah. Wow. And then I can imagine, you know, that, that going through that, has changed your life in terms of how you think. Yes. How could definitely. it not? Yeah, definitely. It's uh yeah, I think one of the one of the biggest takeaways and you know, thinking of people listening right now that that I that I really have probably is um it's something similar to Memento More, um, like remember you'll die, but it's it's more, you know, when I'm getting tired or I'm feeling a bit lazy or I'm going, ah, oh, you know, I've done enough here. And I'm and I'm saying in the moment I've done enough, you know. But I know down the track I'll be upset that I haven't done enough, and I know I had more in me. Yeah. Um, and I just kind of reflect, and I go, "Hey, like I've got this heartbeat. You know how unreal is that? Like I've got this moment. Like let, let's keep pushing." So, wow, man, you know, it's yeah. it's phenomenal. Like perspective is such a powerful thing. Yes. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Like perspective, yeah, you know. and we all take it for granted. We just take it for granted. But you know, you obviously yeah. are much more aware of of that word and you know you 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 live that every day and you use that to fuel you yep yeah but and, and the thing is it's 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 you know our brains are as we all know is like negatively geared you know right. to, to protect us to, right. to from when we had to run from saber-tooth tigers and, right. and whatever so so it's 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 not i think it's not enough for me to just go yep sort of done, done a bit of a you know a course here a bit of training here a bit of training there I think it's sustained effort, you know, and, and just keep reminding yourself and keep changing your perspective because all of our brains will go down that sure, sort of it's, way. It's natural. It's biology. Yeah. It's physiology. Yeah. It's how your brain is built. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it's yeah. to master it. That's the hard part. So, you know, I take my hat off to you, man. Well done. Ah, thanks, mate. Thanks. <laughs> it's incredible. What a story. Yeah. Wow. And, yeah. and how, is that, um, how have your relationships changed with people, with friends, family, Loved ones, are you are you different into how you how you you know uh, act in that in that respect, or is it just every day as it comes? Yeah, I mean, I think first off, the, the relationship with the new cardiologist started off on an interesting foot. Um, when I went to the new cardiologist, we we started speaking about our experience with this old cardiologist in the hospital, oh, yeah. and my family were saying, you know, like family that were on both sides were saying, you know, it was terrible how we treated all this sort of stuff, and he said to us, look, I play golf with that guy on the weekends, you know, I don't want you to say anything. I don't want to hear anything bad about him. And then my family started to arc up even more. And I just said, everyone out of the room, I, I just need one person on my side. I don't care. I just need one. I just need, you know, to start moving forward here. So, so I had to kind of just focus on that relationship. And I developed a pretty good relationship with my car, my second cardiologist. Yeah. Um, he seemed to really like me and take me on in like, kind of like a, it was a weird, like kind of a bit like a father role or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and yeah. he would, he would ask me about my, my, 
my relationships and and okay. and he talk about his younger relationships and yeah it was really nice in that setting and um, one of the things he told me pretty early on was because of this life experience just be aware that the friends that you normally hang around you're probably going to you know lose lose traction with them and it was true like it was pretty compelling at the moment at the time but but it was really true because it was just the way you looked at life like you said perspective was totally different i was like wow like i've been fooling around playing around as a teenager in high school all this sort of stuff and my friends are set on playing around and fooling around for the next 10 years well, let me get involved in life and see what I can create, see what I can muster up, see who I really am, you know, yeah. see what I can find out about myself. So, yeah, so, so I think that, you know, came about. That was interesting. My relationships kind of uh, petered off. Yeah. And because, you know, partying and a lot of the kind of not so great things that come from that in terms of your health, probably not the greatest way to go for my heart and looking after my heart for the rest of my life. So, yeah, I, in a lot of ways look a lot of ways it was it was like the worst time in my life a lot of ways it was given a gift you know to really focus on my health and then that in turn darren i think allowed me to focus on who i drew into my life and went all right i'm going to draw people in my life that are going to be good for my heart because i had other people and one of the reasons i actually think i got sick was because of the emotional baggage that i was holding and the emotional like harm and kind of abuse that i had for many years so pushing all that down, I think, you know, like emotions can really affect our health. Like look at what happens when we get stressed out, our heart rate goes up, everything. So, so for me that that's, um, yeah, like that kind of was like, okay, I need to get rid of those relationships that aren't really serving or, or just keep them at a distance and focus on bringing in people that are going to be good for my heart and that I can also be good for their heart. So yeah, in a nutshell, that's what I did. Wow, we what a story, man! So, as you say, you know, you've you've healed your own heart, and it can also be used in a in a metaphoric sense. Yes, yeah, which, yeah. Many dichotomies, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and so, are you writing a book about your journey? Yes, yes. So, so in the book, it goes through um, the younger years, the kind of uh, I guess the tougher time I had um, as a younger kid, the emotional baggage, the abuse, all that sort of stuff going through, and then. And then coming to that point where all of a sudden, you know, I, th I think I know who I am at the age of 18 with all my identities that I've attached myself to. Yeah. And then the, the, you know, the rock, the, the, I mean, the, the carpet pulled underneath my feet with that heart story and then going through that. And obviously it doesn't end there. Like with, 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 I think, you know, like we're saying about perspective and your mindset, sure. it's something that you coach along for the rest of your life. So going through that journey and then, uh, you know, kind of really focusing on, creating something that's a transformative like nonfiction that can help people and, 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 and assist in, in people's day to day and the way that they take charge of their lives. So yeah, that's, that's what I'm, it's, it's in the editing process. So it's in the, the editor's hands. So it's oh, uh, well going through that. So exciting, exciting how times. Long, how long has, have you been writing that for? Uh, yeah, it's been <laughs> focused. It's been about a year. So been about a year um, and probably putting things together has been since I was a teenager, I would, I would hear things or, or like, I'd always love having conversations with people that were older than me, you know, and not just a few years older, like 30 years older, 40 years older, you know, and being around my grandparents. So, so 
I would always just like write things down and just take notes of things and just try and remember things and and just collect collect information that I think could I, that could be used that information could be used to improve my life. So so for a while I've I've kind of taken things in and then that's even you know the last year is about trying to formulate that into something that can be packaged and sent and and touch someone else's hearts and souls. Unbelievable. Yeah. Well done. Well done. And tell us a bit about your photography and how that all feeds into everything you do. You know, obviously you've chosen that as a career path as well from a young age and you have a particular spin on how you photograph. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, I went, went through, did my diploma, you know, got into the photography, worked it all out and, and then realized, okay, you need to have some sort of business behind this. You know, if you're going to make this a reality and I didn't necessarily believe in it, you know, it, again, it took someone else to believe in me and believe that I could make this some sort of reality and then and then i start, started along that process that journey but probably what i found early on was my uh focus was capturing the soul and essence of people so really diving deep and capturing the soul and essence and and that came from my diploma um uh, gallery showing which was focused for the year on capturing portraits of my family around my grandparents house nice. and so what i would do is i would uh, you know have the controllables were the same. So like any experiment, you know, they have the controllables the same. And then, so the house, um, natural light, uh, you know, different sort of things. And then, and all portraits, portraits. And so, and then I just went, all right, I'm just going to communicate with these people. And there's going to be a certain flicker of a moment where they expose their soul. They expose their true essence. Yeah. And I feel like that that is something that I just... I didn't, I didn't write out a business plan to go and do or anything. I just kind of connected to that and, and jumped aboard. So, you know, so with my, I would love shooting my grandparents and my cousins who are like, you know, kids because they show their soul. They show who they are. You know, kids just go, this is me, yep. you know, <laughs> effing no, take no it masks, or leave it. No layers. <laughs> yeah. It's just pure exactly. and I love that. Yeah, exactly. And, and then like elderly people, they get to the point where they're like, yeah, yeah, this is me. This is what it's going to be. Like, you know, so, and yeah, obviously that's not every old person, every young person, but, but that's the, what I, what I kind of found. And then in the middle, like photographing teenagers, my teenage cousins, it was, it would be, you know, like two hours to try and get that shot or, you know, it'd be an hour and a half. And just like the amount of veils or facade or, you know, society pressures that was on them of who they had to be and, you know, focus on their identity politics or their, or their, you know, they're what they attach themselves to rather than just having a conversation, being in the present moment and then eventually unraveling who they were. I think that took a lot more time um, because of, yeah, and, and uh, that, that happens to all of us as we go through as a teenager, you know. We go, I do this, so this must mean I assimilate with this and I don't like that, you know. So it's like, gosh, is that all you are as a being? So, so true. yeah, yeah. So true. And then later on in life, we a lot of the times we we start to reassess all that again and we think, what have we actually been doing? What's actually important to us? You know, because yeah. we've, you know, we've gone down this path um, in automatic pilot. Yes. Yeah. And there's, there's a ton of unlearning required. Unlearning. Like, I love that. That's so yeah. true. Unlearning. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Wow. But, yeah. I love my photography though. It's uh, it's, I think the, it's a, it's a, portal to be able to connect to another soul yeah. i think that's what i like about it so true i mean i'm also a photographer and i love yes. i love just having being able to be in a room with a camera 
and being able to observe and being a fly on the wall. And it's yeah. just, it's my, it's almost like my meditation as well. It's very meditative. Yeah, it is. It is. Hey, it really, and, and if you're going through like some hard times, mm. just picking that camera up and just going for a walk can be like yeah. so healing. Like there's something Actually, incredible about it. Because there's something amazing when you put that camera in front of you, it's almost like you're there now to actively observe. Whereas yeah. when you when you don't have a camera, you get sidetracked and you, you know, you, you're not in the moment. But your yes. camera puts you in the moment and you stay in the moment because you're actively trying to um, execute some some sort of vision. So that's what exactly. I love about photography. It forces you to be an active observer and actually be in the moment for longer. Yeah, and, and, and interact with the world. Like that's, that's right. what, on a, on a deeper level, my grandfather, he was an architect and he would be at the back of room when you know there were family gatherings and he would just kind of sit there and he just observe and it was just so interesting to see that aspect of him and then but you know if he wanted to if he wanted to be the limelight or if the, the time called for him to be the limelight he'd be the limelight or he'd get involved but he would right. he, he would to. observe yeah yeah he was very good at that that observation and, I, and he was the happiest soul that i ever met and i think that observation part of it was something that was really amazing to him because he really observed people and observed everything around him and i think if you can get to that and also to the point where you know like you're noticing things and you're mentioning things and people go oh you noticed that oh wow like and you pick that up or you saw yeah. that and it's like oh cool i'm kind of playing along with this life thing you know absolutely and as a photographer you have to notice things before they happen you have to be yeah. ready for things to happen so yes. you have to be so in tune with your environment and yes. the other person or the other people so it really puts you in that space, you know, it's an active um, process and uh, something that you learn and get better at. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's so like the active listening for the eyes. Mm, it is really fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And so what kind of um, photography do you specialize in? Obviously a lot of portraits, but do you do other stuff as well? Yeah, so I think, I think you know, as you know, once you get in, it's like a whole another world opens up to you. Like you go into a parallel universe, you're like, whoa, okay, like I can do everything and there's so many... Um, facets of photography under that one umbrella so Definitely. yeah so I, I went through quite a lot of them and you know at one point I was you know just taking photographs of people for their first birthday and all these all these sorts of different sort of funny things and and yeah eventually just focus on branding photography and I think nice. my my inspiration of small business and passion of small business and I think the power of small business to to you know support economies and and, and countries and also keeping check some of the bigger corporations, hopefully, and 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 governments and different sort of things. I think the power of small business is 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 there, and I think they really do get. How do I say? They don't get free passes, or um, you know, like I won't look that way. You know, like small businesses really do get 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 hammered in a lot of ways, and I think the people that run small businesses are resilient people, and so yeah, definitely. You know, I'm very passionate about right, how can I help them? How can I add value? How can I, you know, increase their ROI? How can I connect? How can I grab what they have, the value they have, convert that into a visual visual element, and represent that that online so that people can see that? And nice. because we we receive images and and uh, visual information so much faster and and, and in, in so much more depth, and so I think that's. That's my biggest focus, business branding photography. And I love obviously that allows me to take lots of portraits and connect yeah. with people, which is still good. Do you do video as well or just photo? Yeah, I do a bit of video. video so as well. okay, great. Yeah. 
Yeah, so, something so that I've, I've done... never done. I've never, I'm, I'm useless to taking a video. So you're the man. Yeah. No, no. Well, it's, um, you know, it's different, uh, different learnings, but, but it's funny how, how much can kind of correlate and, and, and how many different things you can apply to video. But then there's definitely so many different, like, you know, th- like there's people that are just audio professionals and, and they get paid a lot of money because yes, audio is like another thing. Like, you know, it's just, so I think, um, yeah. So and one of the, the, the reasons I did video as well was to ca- uh, capture my grandparents' story. Nice. So my grandfather started to get ill a couple of years ago. And so uh, I went back, you know, in the space of a year, quite a few times to Sydney and, and I just, you know, sat down with my grandparents and listened to their story and captured their story and asked them questions. And the most remarkable things came out of that. And then I started this venture of going, okay, let me turn that into a service. Um, and obviously tried to launch that right around 2020. And the service was to go into retirement villages and capture elderly people's stories. Wow. And so that's, you know, like, like a, like a journal, a life journal. So, you know, that, that's, I think where video and photo can just be yeah, incredible, um, tools you know definitely you know and, you know a picture tells a thousand words without a doubt i mean yes you know images are so powerful they're so important whether it's visual uh, video images or still images um it, they are just so important particularly these days with everything we do and with social media i mean yeah. you really have to have good imagery yeah yeah and something that connects and and like you said like t- says all those words and, and compels and yeah when i was over there with my grandfather they all, all the family asked for the, the shot over my um shoulder and they said you know like where's that shot where's that shot and i was like you know my hard drive's in perth like you know like and they go, we need to find that shot we need to put that up everywhere that's calliope and you know people yeah. were like saying you know when i see that image it's like he's here with us you know yeah. that captured yeah. who he is and so that's nice like that's the power you know well, yeah well done and so um have you got any great case studies for us about your photography anything that you're working on at the moment um, you know any great success stories? Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, uh, <laughs> one thing that I'm working on at the moment is capturing portraits and kind of having information. So attaching the blog to that that information. Gotcha. So kind of having the photo and then the story. So nice. there's there's a great website called um, I think it's Humans of New York. Yeah, and famous yes. book. Also, he's a photographer that went around taking photos. Yep. Exactly, exactly. So I always really liked that idea and just and I, and I kind of wanted to kind of go a bit deeper into it, you know, like so, you know, this is the role you play in the world. This is your job. This is everything, but like the deeper story. So that's something that I'm I'm teetering with at the moment, you know, so like doing a photo and then have like a little blog section for the, the person. I've already done that with a few people in the past. Nice. Um, but yeah, as you know, time and and everything else you're doing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then at the moment, I'm just focusing on, you know, delivering photography, how I've been delivering it. One thing that I did bring out recently, and obviously perfecting that and, and finessing that, one thing I brought out recently was uh, a course helping people capture photographs professionally with their phone. Nice. So this came through like... Um, you know, the, the multiple lockdowns and being a completely service-based business and yep. <laughs> and that bashing you around a bit, you got to kind of uh, think think what else you can do. So I, at the start, I got a lot of contact from clients saying, how can I take images of my products while you're not around? How can I take photographs of my, you know, like how can I keep my content going? Right. You know, like, like, yeah, so, so uh, you know, and everyone's on their phones so, and at home, you know, this is a great time. And so 
I started creating this in 2020 and I've just launched it. And, you know, it's really focused for those business owners that, that you know, can't always have a photographer there all the time, yeah. um, you know, that are on the move and just want to capture those moments. And, you know, a lot of people that have kind of gone into the course have just been hobbyists. So, yeah. yeah. Wow, that's awesome. That's well done. I mean, you know, more and more these days, that's a, a skill that needs to be harnessed. You know, and the technology yes. is there with all the new versions of the phones that are coming out and, and three lenses on each phone. And I mean, unbelievable. Yeah. And the quality yeah. of the cameras, they're just insane. Yes, and they're incredible. And the thing is, I think one thing that always gets lost is the uh, learning the skill. Yeah. You know, and yeah, I think that's, you know, you, you go back way back in the day where um, people were using cameras that, that had the quality of, you know, maybe an iPhone 6 or 3 or something like that. Yeah but they took the most magnificent images so and true. it's because they only had so much film. They only had, you know, so many, and they had to make the most of it yep. where now I think there's more photographers, but I don't think there's more brilliant photographers. I think back then there were more brilliant photographers. Oh, okay. I'm not saying that there's not amazing photographers out there right now. There are, but it's just the kind of, yeah, the, 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 the harder way of, of capturing images really, you know, built in the disciplines of what it takes to create an amazing image. Definitely. And as you say, it's it's about how you train your eye. It's how you work with people. It's everything you do before you even lift the camera to take a shot. You know, photography is yes. not about clicking the button. It's about everything else you do before you click the button. Yes, exactly. I spend a lot of the time like pulling my head away from the camera, yeah. communicating, you know, and, and then and then quickly, as quick as I can, bang. You know, I mean, exactly. the technology would be amazing if I could do it with my eye. You know, I'd be able to... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nail so many more shots, but so yeah, that's the future. Oh, well done, man. And what about uh, weddings and stuff? Do you ever do weddings and big functions like that? Yeah, yeah, I do weddings and I've, I've never had a bridezilla, touch wood. Um, so I think that keeps keeps me happy to to do the odd wedding here and there because um, I hear some photographers that have said, I had a bridezilla and I'm off, I'm off weddings now for life. So, <laughs> but, but, but I've been, I've been good, touch wood. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, product photography, um, you know, different sort of things like that. Uh, I really do enjoy product photography sometimes because then it's just like you can move away from people for a little while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just take need a bit break. of space okay. on your own. I don't want yeah, anything. Take to, a I don't break. Want to, I don't want to do with anything that talks back. Just relax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Send me the send me the products. Yeah. You know, <laughs> in the mail, make it snappy, sweet. <laughs> oh, well, man, and oh. maybe tell everybody how they can find you and work with you. Yeah, for sure. So. My photography website is soulgazingphotography.com and that's where you can kind of see some of my work and get in touch on Instagram, same thing, Facebook. And then Carl Spreedies is where I'm on for the inspirational stuff that I do, the the, the daily videos on YouTube, um, Carl Spreedies, and they're called Decide Your Destiny Daily Doses. And so, yeah, that's where you can find me um, on those channels. And those so daily active. doses, they're on YouTube, are they on Facebook as well or? Yes, yeah, I pump them out on Facebook and Instagram as well, and so, you know, put them put them around the the social media sphere. Nice, nice, All right, excellent. Well, uh, everybody out there, I hope you've enjoyed um, uh, Kyle as much as I have. That was an incredible um, conversation, and you know, so heartfelt and so true. And you know, I admire you so much for you know everything that you do and uh, continue to do, and you know, you're an inspiration. So, man, really appreciate Thanks, you coming Heather. on the show. And um, your photography is fantastic. So everybody out there, from one photographer to another, and I can say this because he's in Perth, he's not in Sydney. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> if you need Tactical. a good photographer out there, talk to Kyle. 
Uh, he's the man and he'll definitely look after you and you'll have a great experience working with him as well. Mate. Absolutely. Thanks, Daza. Appreciate it. Really appreciate it, mate. My and pleasure. love back to you as well. Oh, awesome, man. And I always ask my guests to leave us with some, some powerful message or something that's on your mind. So last words are yours. Sure. So I guess probably already said it, but, you know, focusing on your intention in life and what you're showing up each day to do and, and why you're doing it is, is so important to kind of have that feedback that keeps you going. Otherwise, at a certain point, you'll just, you know, yeah. go, what, what am I doing? So really digging deep into your heart and soul and, and, and what are the things that I'm here doing? What, what's the value? What are the gifts that I'm bringing out of myself? Yeah. You know, what really makes me feel rushed with passion? And yeah, it's not going to feel, you're not going to feel rushed with passion every day. I didn't, True. you know, like neither of us have felt that every single day. <laughs> it but would be nice, but it doesn't try, happen. No, but, but try and find that thing that does really give you that passion and give you that feedback and, and really work into it and, and, and embrace it with every heartbeat. That's so what I'd say. True, man. Love it. Because it's about, it's got to be sustainable. It's got to be long-term, you know, short-term yes. gains never last. No, no. It's all too about true. long-term sustainability. So, Kyle, thank you again for coming on the show. Everybody out there, I'm going to put all those great links to uh, all of Kyle's great stuff in the show notes, so please check him out. And uh, as I mentioned, check out his um, Daily Dose. If you need some photography done, talk to Kyle and also look out for his book. Well done. So, everybody out there, have a great day and we'll see you very, very soon for another episode. Thanks again, Kyle. Cheers, mate. Thank Cheers, you. Man.